0: What does being a homicide detective have in common with examining the evidence for the resurrection of jesus more than you might think find out on today's episode of a view from the wall
1: join i am a watchman ministries managing editor joe kerr with co-host dylan burroughs bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be
0: watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here today with co-host Joseph Kerr to talk with a leading expert with a unique combination as a cold case detective and as a defender of the evidence for the Christian faith. Jay Warner Wallace joins us today. He's an American homicide detective as well as a senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. He's also an adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola University. J. Warner Wallace is the author of several books, including Cold Case Christianity and his latest title, A Person of Interest, that we'll talk about today. Jay Warner Wallace, welcome back to A View from the Wall. Well, thanks for having me, back. I so appreciate it. Sure. We loved having you on last time talking about Cold Case Christianity and some of the experiences you've had applying the techniques that you've developed as a detective over the years to the claims of the Bible. But you've just finished a new project called A Person of Interest. Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Well, you know, Cold Case Christianity is a book that I wrote to really examine what is inside the, the covers of the New Testament, right? Do we trust that the the Gospels are telling us anything reliable or accurate. Are they really eyewitness t- uh, testimony about Jesus? That's a lot of the stuff that we talk about in Cold Case Christianity. But this book is very different in the sense that I'm going to make the assumption that we have destroyed every single New Testament. What if everything had been, like you imagine, some uh, crazy dystopian future where some evil regime has has destroyed every Bible. Have they burned them all? They've got rid of all of them, and they were successful. They did it. There's not a single one left. Well, it turns out that you could still not um, erase the person of Jesus of Nazareth, even if you destroyed every ancient biblical manuscript, because he's had such an amazing impact on history. So where Cold Case looks at the stuff that's inside the New Testament, person of interest looks at everything outside the New Testament. So what we basically did, uh, you can imagine I've worked a bunch of these cases in the past. I get these cases sometimes where a husband has killed his wife, and then he gets rid of her body, and then he reports her missing. Oh, he ran on And the first investigators, they believe it for whatever reason. Uh, Either he's convincing or maybe even the the victim's family thinks, well, that's that's reasonable. So nobody makes a big deal out of it. So the investigator thinks, okay, she'll come back eventually. Well, then, you know, he gets transferred, two years go by, and then everything is cold. And then it falls into our cold case file, and I open it up 10 years later, and he's never returned. Clearly, this is not just a missing person. This is a murder, okay? And nobody has worked it as a murder until now. As a matter of fact, he's moved. There was never a body recovered. The crime scene has been cleaned and remodeled, and I can't access the crime scene. There are no photographs were even taken of the crime scene. Well, now, how do I make a case like this in front of a jury? And I I typically uh, take an approach where I'll say, Look, on the day that she disappeared, uh, something, if, if she was murdered, something explosively terrible happened. But every bomb that goes off is preceded by a fuse that burns up to the point of the detonation. And after the bomb explodes, there's carapnole all over the place. I'm going to demonstrate to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what happened on the day she went missing by simply tracing the fuse and the fallout. I will show you what happened in the crime scene. Well, it turns out you can do the exact same thing with Jesus of Nazareth, just trace the fuse of history leading up to his appearance and the fallout that occurs after Jesus, all of it not only demonstrates the impact Jesus had on culture, but you can reconstruct the story of Jesus from every one of these aspects of the fuse and the fallout.
3: This is such a unique approach. I mean, most of the apologists that we have on the program talk about all of the proof texts for the various doctrines and and beliefs of our faith and the life of Christ and point to the evidence in the Dead Sea Scrolls for the proof of the scripture, all as much information as possible. And of course, we hear from average everyday people who say, I can't possibly ever understand or remember all of the things that this guy with four doctor's degrees and an archaeological dig in his name and all of these things i'll never get to that point and they just kind of throw up their hands and say it's not worth it but you've taken a very simple approach that that anybody can take i don't need to know cover to cover the entire bible how can they apply this technique in defending the faith and talking to their friends give us a little more detail
2: yeah, I think you're, I hope you're right. I mean, I think part of it is that we have to help jurors to understand that everything counts as evidence in a criminal trial. You know, what was uh, missing? What, what's, what's in the crime scene? That's going to count. What's missing from the crime scene? That's also going to count. What did he say when we interviewed him? What didn't he say when we interviewed him? Okay. What day did it occur on? What days did it not occur on? It turns out that both the positive and the negatives for everything are, are evidence that we use in criminal trials. So I don't think that many people realize that the world you're living in right now and everything you enjoy if you're an atheist. As an atheist, I was an atheist I was 35. I would have said, I mean, I have a degree in, in the arts uh, and architecture before I became a police officer. So I would have said it's literature, it's the arts, it's music, it's education, science. Oh, really? You, those things are important to you as an atheist? Yes, they are. Oh, do you realize that you would have none of those as you know them today? If not for Jesus of Nazareth and his followers. Oh, please. No, no, seriously. None of the stuff you just described, the arts, music, uh, literature, education, science, they are all dependent on a worldview that Jesus established and that his followers uh, enacted. So much so that the, the fallout of history after Jesus, you can, you can reconstruct every detail of Jesus' story uh, just from those, those five aspects of culture. I'll give you an example of this. If you look at all the science fathers, the people who who started the major disciplines in the sciences, well, the vast, vast, vast majority of them, all the way from astronomy to quantum mechanics, are Christ followers. And they wrote about Jesus in their personal journals. If all you had was the personal writings of the science fathers of history, you could reconstruct this. As a matter of fact, the science fathers will tell you a little bit more than the church fathers tell you about Jesus. That's the kind of impact Jesus had on science.
0: Well, that's amazing. Most people don't hear this in their studies. But one thing you do in this book that's especially important is to focus on the reality of Christ and not all the other doctrines that we often discuss. Why do you focus on that as the essential aspect of your person of interest book?
2: Well, look, if, if Jesus – I'm one of those guys that if, if, you know, if, you, if you rise out of the grave, I have a tendency to listen to what you say care about things. Yes. And, and so it all comes down to me. he who he said he was. If he is, he's worth paying attention to on every other secondary issue, both on theological issues, on cultural issues, on marriage, on sexuality, all the hot button issues. If he rose out of the grave, he is of an unusual pedigree of authority that we ought to listen to. So in the end, that's where i focus.
0: This is fascinating information. We're going to come back with more with Jay Warner Wallace right after this. Stay with us here on A View from the Wall.
1: From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. 2 Corinthians 4 begins with the phrase, do not lose heart. In that chapter, as Paul writes of the difficulties of his day, he wisely couples each great trial with an even greater triumph. He writes, we've been hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. He writes, We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. He writes, We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. Those believers of the early days of the church considered their trials, quote, light afflictions. We, the church of the last days, should do the same. Watchmen, hold fast to the truth presented at the end of that chapter. The troubles all around us will soon be gone, but the joys to come will last forever. Be bold, be faithful, be a watchman. I am a watchman.com.
0: Welcome back to a view from the wall. As Joe and I talk with Jay Warner Wallace today about Jesus as the ultimate person of interest. We want to discuss more about the key issues in his latest book. In the book, you follow an actual homicide investigation employing the same strategy to catch a killer that you use to establish the historical Jesus. Explain how that works for our audience today.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I knew this is going to sound crazy, but I've written books now. This is my eighth book, and I've written a bunch of kids' books, too. And I noticed when I was writing the kids' books, I would just create a narrative that the kids would solve a mystery. And as they solved this mystery, they would learn the thinking skills necessary to determine if Jesus really existed or God existed, all these different things. And I thought, you know, that has been so well received on the kid's side. And what if I wrote a kid's book for adults? In other words, it's heavily illustrated. You'll see there's over 400 illustrations in this book. It's kind of like a graphic novel in some sense. It reads super fast. Um, and it really traces, loosely based, I always say this, I try to hide details so that my victims' families won't think I'm talking about their case, but the, the DAs I work with, as they read through these, they're going, oh, I know this case. Oh, I know that case. I said, yeah, I know, but I don't think anybody else will know. So, so I try to mix and match some of my cases and walk you through a process. Because what we're really doing is learning how to think through the evidence to make a proper inference when you work these criminal cases, right? You you know that you've got to get through the evidence, so you make a proper inference, and then you got to communicate this to a jury and try to explain to them how to walk through the same evidence to get to the same inference. So a lot of what we're doing is kind of like critical thinking skills. And so I just thought, well, we'll do the same thing here. We'll log through on one of my cases. We'll show you how we slowly solve this. You know, we have no body. We've got no evidence in our crime scene. It's just exactly like our, our, our premise for the book about Jesus. And as I was about halfway through, guys, I thought, I told my, I called my publisher, I said, you know, I, I love writing books that are that make the case for Jesus, and this definitely does. Um, but at the same time, I'm realizing this is really a book about why Jesus matters and why he ought to still matter to everyone, even if you don't trust the Bible for anything it says about Jesus. So I went back and I just tried to make a point in each chapter that <clears throat> it turns out that what's great about this book, I hope, is that you know, as an atheist, the things that matter to me are those things we talked about, right? And and that you know it's it's all the stuff of arts and science and 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 so it, it, Jesus did matter to you if those things matter to you, it not and not because those things matter. The reason why those things matter is because they came from Jesus to begin with. So so I think that 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 I wanted to be able to write a book that would elevate the person of Jesus, so that he would and especially for young people who are we're so even as a, you know I'm, I'm now sixty, I think adults are are, are ignorant of our history, and the history of Christianity, the history of Western civilization. But forget about Western civilization, because I think it's always an argument that can be made. Well, wait a minute. So Jesus is popular to you or important to you. But trust me, wherever literature is being written, wherever music is being sung, wherever science is being done, the impact of Jesus and his followers is being felt. This is not just limited to the West, because we're not just doing science in the West. Uh, Now, it turns out that uh, if you looked at the way science has blossomed in the uh, scientific revolution, it happens in European Christendom. And people will say, well, yeah, in Europe, everyone was a Christian back then. It didn't have to happen in Europe. Why didn't it happen in Asia? There were more people. Why did it happen in Europe in this worldview that we know as Christendom? Well, why? Because Jesus inaugurates, he ignites, and I list six or seven of these igniters for the sciences that are, are standing on the shoulders of the Christian worldview. Without Jesus, uh, these things don't ignite in quite the same way. As a matter of fact, you will see that Muslims played a huge role in the sciences until the Middle Ages, and then they drop off the map. And they drop off the map for largely, I think, the theological reason. But Christendom did not, did not do that. And so I think there's a sense in which we have to recognize that we are indebted, if nothing else. This is why over 60% of the Nobel uh, uh, Science Prize winners are Christians. Uh, have always been, and, and continue to be. And this is because uh, this is birthed out of a Christian. Now, what I want young people to see is that, hey, today, I think some, sometimes young Christians may think there's no place for them in the sciences. Right. Are you kidding me? Don't step out of the sciences. Now, do, do not surrender the sciences the way other religious groups have done that over history. We need to continue to to lead in the sciences.
3: That is so good. Romans chapter one talks about what could be known of God was revealed. So we have to have the revelation of Jesus Christ and the revelation of God's word in order to understand so many of the concepts you're talking about. And I love that about the book. You make the statement history aligned for the arrival of Jesus and how he impacted every aspect of culture. Now we talk about Bible prophecy on this show a lot. So we talk about verses like in the fullness of time, Christ was revealed, that there was a moment in time that was perfect for everything that God planned. You refer to that in the story of Christ. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, not only in a moment of time, it's a small moment of time. As a matter of fact, if you were wondering why, if you didn't know anything about Christianity, and you're looking at the calendar and you're thinking, oh, there's like this BCE period of time. And there's like this CE period of time. I wonder what creates the difference between the before the common era, or we say BC, and uh, the common era, or we say AD. Like, what's the shift there? What, what causes that? Well, it turns out, if you, and I'll show this in chapter five of the book, I, I just line out all of the fuses that are burning toward the first century. And I show in the book how there is a small window in which something cataclysmic could happen. Based on the cultural views, the prophetic views from the Jewish Old Testament, and from the spiritual views of every other spiritual worldview that was on the planet at the time. If you overlap all of these things, and I kind of go through that in the first four chapters, but if you get to that chapter five, you will see that there is a red zone window of opportunity from about 29 B.C. to about 70 A.D. Something is going to happen right then and there. And it turns out that's exactly where it is, that Jesus, right in the middle there is where Jesus um, is born, toward the first part of that, and then by dab in the middle is where he's executed. And if you look at that red zone and you realize, wow, I mean, it's just remarkable that that the that, that history is being aligned, that the fuse is burning up to a point that if you didn't know anything about Jesus, uh, of Nazareth, but you just knew the prophetic, uh, spiritual, and cultural fuses that were burning, you would go, hey, guys, something's probably going to happen right here in this window. And sure enough, that's where it happened.
0: Well, this is such good information, but so many times in our culture, we see faith and the facts don't seem to go together. And that's something that has come up more in surveys over time. For example, one survey mentions that 50% don't believe that Christ lived a sinless life and believe that he made mistakes. Talk a little bit to this younger generation that you've referred to. How can they restore their faith in the Christ of Christianity?
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of us, even if they know our history, you have to know enough information about Jesus to be able to stand for Jesus. It's hard to stand for something you can't even uh, defend. And that's why it's so important for us to spend time uh, looking at the case, looking at the evidence. Look, like you're spending that time somewhere, you can make a case for your favorite football team. Now it's time to make a case for what it is you believe about
0: eternity, and that is in the person of Jesus Christ. We're headed toward a break, but there's much more. Stay with us here for more on A View From The Wall.
1: The Bible predicts the rapture of the church is coming. Are you ready? Soon many will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Only they will escape the dark days that are coming, a time of tribulation that will usher in the Antichrist and great destruction upon the entire earth. There's only one escape, one way, one light, one truth. His name is Jesus. He came and died so that we may live forever with him, But to receive this new life, there are three things we must do. The ABCs of salvation. A, admit you're a sinner and that you need a savior. Ask for forgiveness and receive his grace. B, believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he came, lived, died, rose again, and will come again. Believe that he is Lord and God. C, commit to walk his path, the path He wants you to walk, and walk it out by faith. Then you'll be ready for the return of the Lord. To learn more about the rapture and how to know for sure, visit miraptureready.org.
0: segment today with worldview expert author and speaker Jay warner wallace we want to tackle the implications and the applications of our biblical worldview when it comes to jesus christ now you said in the book person of interest that it will renew the way you think about christianity and the savior who changed the world talk about that in terms of application for our listeners how will this understanding of jesus renew their thinking and bring hope to this difficult time the world is now in
2: If you think about the way that uh, uh, people proclaimed Jesus in the first century, go back to the book of Acts and just read through it. What you won't find much of is, uh, let me tell you how my life was personally changed by Jesus. Um, You don't see a lot of that. What you see instead are eyewitnesses who are testifying to the resurrection, testifying to seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus, testifying to their actual encounters with Jesus, their experience with Jesus of Nazareth. That kind of eyewitness testimony is called direct evidence from an evidential perspective. And you see this over and over and over again. So that people were making a claim about Jesus on the basis of evidence in the first century. It was the direct evidence of eyewitness testimony. This is why, for example, they picked Matthias, to replace Judas in Acts 1, because Matthias is another eyewitness from everything from the the baptism all the way to the resurrection. That is what they were looking for, another eyewitness. Now, that's important, it seems to me, because young people, on every other claim that is being made, and we know, we just came through a coronavirus year. Every claim that's being made, if scientists didn't say it, it, if it's not based on scientific evidence or evidence of something I can demonstrate, look, if we're asking people to believe this is true based on our experience alone, Without being able to ground it in the evidence of history, the evidence of, of and this is why this book does focuses on history alone. If we can't do that, well, then get ready for us to have our views. Look, everyone could do that, right? I mean, Mormons can say, well, this is based on experience. And most of my Mormon friends would tell you that they had some experience that confirms to them that Joseph, that's the prophet of God, and the Book of Mormon is true. But they cannot build an evidential case for the Book of Mormon. It turns out we could. We could do this for the, for the New Testament. And we ought to start thinking about doing that for the New Testament because if we want young people to accept what we're saying about Jesus with the same kind of authority that the culture has convinced them they need to turn to evidence to get, well, it turns out we can do that. It's not like I'm not asking to believe something because I had a good experience. As a matter of fact, most of the time I won't even tell you what my experience is because I don't, I don't think my experience matters. What matters is, is this true? And if it is true, it'll shape the way you think. Now, this is why it's so important. Look. The teaching of Jesus of Nazareth for young people is becoming less and less popular, right? I mean, in generations past, you might have said, well, I don't like these Christians. are kind of you know, hypocritical. I don't like the church so much. But I do like that Jesus guy. I think a lot of people now are going, Jesus taught that? I don't even like the Jesus guy. He taught that about marriage, <laughs> about identity, about gender, about sexuality. Really? He's the problem. So, so if we want our young people to stand tall on the teaching of Jesus of Nazareth, we're gonna have to provide them with more than just, hey, this is gonna give you your best life now, because it's not going to. It's gonna give you a hard life, but a righteous, true life. Now, if we can't demonstrate this evidentially, good luck trying to get people to do it. It's gonna become one of the hardest worldviews to hold as things move, as more and more people are calling truth a lie. So so we're gonna have to be able to help our young people know this is evidentially true, So you can run from it for a season, but in the end, and this is what I love about Jesus, He focuses on eternity. Right? This is all about this is your your life is not limited to the ninety years you'll have on planet Earth trying to be politically correct. Instead, you are eternal beings who will live in eternity with God. And what God says and what God thinks is more important than what your friends think right now. This is temporary. This is like a blink of an eye, a million years into eternity. You will not remember the first ninety. It'll be like a millisecond. So if we're going to be prepared for eternity, we're going to have to, – so that the question is, do we really think there's an eternity? Do we really believe that Jesus is the way? Do we have – is It's just my emotional, the way my parents raised me and my experiences that are telling me this? Well, whether I like it or not today, can I demonstrate it's true with evidence? Because even if I don't like it today, if it's true evidentially, I'm not going to be able to budge. And that's where I, I hope we can we can help young people.
3: Your other book, Cold Case Christianity, when we talked to you last time, you had some study materials and things that have been produced so people could use the book and the materials in small groups and discussion groups in their church groups and such. Have you developed that kind of thing for this book? And how can people best benefit from Person of Interest?
2: Yes, I'm glad you asked. I hardly ever talk about that, but if we did almost three hours of, of 10 sessions of video, and I think you're really going to like it. If we did it with Igniter TV. It looks like a movie. Uh, it traces the investigation along with uh, the, the claims about Jesus, and I think it's it did it such a great job. It'll be released on uh, September 24th. It'll be released on ignitertv.com. That's the platform like uh, kind of like Pureflex. It'll be released on Right Now Media, and you'll also be able to buy it on Amazon. So it comes with the investigator's guide, which I wrote, and I illustrated that as well. So all these illustrations in the book, i have tried to transfer them over to the uh, investigator's guide, many of them. So you'll be able to kind of uh, do it in video form uh, with 10 sessions with a small group. And I think the reason why we have 10 sections, I try to limit things to eight, but 10 sessions I thought were needed to rehabilitate our lackluster knowledge of human history related to Jesus. We, we've forgotten so much about what we owe Jesus in culture that I just needed to spend time showing people that, yeah, this is this is the truth about what Jesus means to us, that he does still matter. Because in the end, all those things that you're going to rely on for evidence, if you're going to rely on your education, well, thank Jesus for that, because it turns out all of those universities, they were all birthed out of the Christian movement. Jesus is responsible for your education, believe it or not. If you're going to thank science for something or trust science, well, you can thank Jesus for that too, because it turns out that he's the catalyst behind the scientific revolution that gave us the sciences to begin with. So there's so much that we are indebted to Jesus. I just wanted to take the
0: time to make that case. Well, we love the work that you've done on this book and this project overall. And we want to take a moment here as we wrap up today to focus on a word of encouragement for our watchmen or watchwomen. We are part of IamAWatchman.com where we focus on things in the end times and how to respond in a way that makes an eternal impact. What can we say to encourage those who are listening today?
2: Well, I have a whole chapter on prophecy because I think it's so powerful, right? And, and I think we've been told to watch and be prepared. And yes, we can look at every generation can find the evidence of end times. But those people who are unprepared, who don't stay vigilant, who aren't, don't stay hopeful. I always go back to the idea of a sports team, right? We have different teams around the country, and we are still hopeful that your team is going to make it to the championship. And we are hopeful even on seasons when the team is bad. Well, it turns out we have to have that kind of enduring hope that in the end, God wins. He already knows how it turns out. Yes. And that we are here to make sure we are faithful en route to that victory.
0: Before we let you go, I know people want to get more information about your book and your ministry. What would you recommend to get more information?
2: You can find out more about me at coldcasechristianity.com and more about the book at Person of Interest Book personofinterestbook.com
0: Alright, again, that's Jay Warner Wallace with us today. We want to thank you for listening and joining us here on A View from the Wall. You can listen again at IamAWatchman.com where you can also sign up for our latest e-newsletter, download a free ebook, and enjoy other resources to help you in your spiritual journey. Thank you again for your prayers and support and join us here next time on A View from the Wall.